have you ever, have you ever met someone, uh, maybe someone that you haven't seen in a while, I don't know, maybe after a, uh, maybe at a high school reunion or at a meeting where there's people that, like, you've known for a while, and uh, someone asks you, like, hey, what are you, what are you, um, what's up to, you know, what are you, what are you up to? Uh, what, what's, what's going on in your life? Uh, what, what, are, what are you working on big? And you kind of scratch your head a little bit, and you think, like, what am I working on big? I don't know. Uh, what's going on with my life? I'm not really sure, man. I took the trash out on time this last week. That's, does that count? Has that ever happened to you? And then you meet people, you meet other people, that it just seems like their lives are just an epic story. Man, they're fighting battles. They rescue the beauty. They succeed in everything they've ever done. Anything they touch, they just turns into gold. And you look at your life, and it's like, man, I don't know if my life is that exciting, you know? Just clean the house. That's the biggest. That's the big, big exact excitement for this last week. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's like, man, just life is just a little. Mundane. You just go from one day to the next, from paycheck to paycheck. And uh, if there is a big story out there, I don't know if God gave me a big part because my life sure doesn't feel like it at times. What I want to do today for the next 28 minutes is I want to encourage you and I want to remind you. I don't think I'm telling you anything new, but I want to remind you of the fact that you are part of a story. It's not, it's not just your story. It's a huge story. It's his story. And God has a significant role for every single one of us. And uh, in those moments, in those days, when you feel like your life is just, you know, you're going from one day to the next, one report to the next, one task to the next, I, I want us to, I think it's good every once in a while for us to hit the pause button and say, okay, Lord, um, I'm ready. Would you do this for a minute? Would you just kind of do this number, whether you're watching online or here in person, just stretch out your arms and just say, it's just a physical way of saying, God, I'm ready to receive. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are ready to receive a word from you. Please speak to our minds and hearts in a very profound, significant way. We need you today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you for doing that. So the question is, how do I remember that, like when, that I'm a part of his story, it's a big story, tomorrow morning when I wake up, and I'm still faced with the challenges that I'm facing, whether they're finances, whether they're career, whether it's relationships, marriage, divorce, how do I, how do I keep that at the forefront of my mind when it seems like the biggest adventure is just to make it work on time, to pass that test. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 37. There's a principle found in Genesis 37 and 40. We're going to kind of be jumping around a little bit today. That could potentially change your perspective in life, the way you experience life. And to me, this is one of the, the big, one of, probably one of my favorite messages. This is something that God's been teaching me for years, since uh, probably the very first church that I served as a, as a, um, as a pastor uh, back in Marietta, Georgia. It's a story of Joseph. Now, we're not talking about Mary and Joseph in the New Testament. We're talking about Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not telling you the whole story, but basically you have Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob. And remember, how many, how many kids did Jacob have? How many sons did Jacob have? Do you, does anybody remember? Twelve sons. And Joseph was the favorite. Joseph, like he could do no wrong. He was his dad's favorite. And so because of that, his brothers didn't really like him. In fact, his brothers hated him. They did not get along and I don't know if you've ever been a part of a family that, where there is disruption, where there, it's not, it's not, there's not a whole lot of unity. But this was, not, this was not a healthy family dynamic. And so um, Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. And actually, when you look at it from an outsider's perspective, God kind of sets him up for failure. His brothers, or his dad, excuse me, set him up for failure, and he sets himself up for failure. So... Basically, let me kind of, kind of give you a head start on this story. His brothers see Joseph come in one day, and they look at him, and, he, and they say, Oh, here comes, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. And it was not in a positive light. It was a, a negative statement. And uh, Joseph had big dreams for his life. He was one of these guys that, like, man, he was always believing that God was going to use him to do great things. And, um, and, they, and they say, they say let's, let's, this is how much they hated him. Said, let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. And in a, in a moment of mercy, their hearts filled up with grace, they said, no, that's, that's, too, that's too bad. Let, why, why kill him when we can make money of, of him and sell him? You know the story? So his brothers take joseph and they throw him into this thing the bible calls it a cistern it's a dried up well they throw him in there to be sold into slavery now if you have heard the story of joseph before it's really important that you don't get ahead of the story okay because if you get ahead of you fast forward to the end you're you're going to miss out on what god has for you today so don't rush to the end but all of a sudden what you have is a 17 year old kid Okay, who is on his way to Egypt to be sold as a slave. That's what, that's what you have. And if you ask me, I don't think that Joseph knew that anything was going on. He had no idea that he was a part of a plan. He had no idea that he was a part. Um, that he had no idea that something God was up to something significant. Now, from the advantage of Scripture, we know the end of the story. We can look back and we can see the whole thing, and we know that God was up to something huge. But let me ask you this real quick. Let me, let me just kind of, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions this morning because I, 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 I don't want to just talk about Joseph. I want to talk about you, okay? And so let me ask you this question. Could, could it be the same way in your life that you feel like that you are shackled ankle to ankle, ready to be sold into a short and meaningless life. Now, because I, I really feel like that's the way Joseph felt, right? Now, through the eyes of eternity, what we see is God perfectly positioning this kid exactly in the place where he needs to be so that he can raise up a nation from within a nation, the Israelites, right? They come out of Egypt. So, so he's perfectly positioning this kid so that he can create a nation from within a nation where eventually the Messiah would come from. He would die for the sins of the world and save the world. Now, from Joseph's perspective, he had no clue. He didn't even know there was a story. He had no idea that he was a part of it. And he was a major player major the central character so let's get into it all right 
Genesis 39, verse 1. It says this. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Everybody say Egypt. Potiphar, an, e an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him. So Potiphar bought Joseph from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now, this next sentence, I, wanna, I want us to read it together, all right? Next slide. I want us to read this. So, so Potiphar bought Joseph, but it says here, verse 2, but the Lord, so let's say it together, but the Lord was Joseph. Now, kind of a strange thought, don't you think? The Lord was with Joseph? I mean, if, if the Lord was really with Joseph, then he should have been back at home, right, with mom and dad. If the Lord was really with Joseph, like, his brothers would be in Egypt building the pyramid. So what's going on here? God, God can't possibly be with you if you just... If you're a 17-year-old boy who just got sold into slavery. Now, the story goes on, and uh, it says this in verse, in verse 5. You jump to verse 5. So, so basically, he gets bought, okay, as a slave by this guy named Potiphar. And it says this, from the time, verse 5, from the time Potiphar put him in charge of his household as a slave and all that he owned, watch this, watch this, don't miss it, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian, of Potiphar. God blessed the house of the guy that bought him as a slave because of Joseph. Now, if I'm Joseph, I'd be like, okay, God, time out here. Okay, you're blessing him because of me. Why don't you bless me because of me? I'm the one that's being faithful. I'm the one that's being obedient. Why do you have to show favor to him, right? Like, that's like, because if the Lord is with me, the Lord should, right, should bless me. Isn't that the way we think? Isn't that the way we kind of, you know, the rationale behind the way we think often in our relationship with the Lord? You know, isn't it, isn't it the way that's supposed, you know, if I'm being obedient and I'm being faithful and I'm showing up to church and I'm doing my part, then God, you should, you know, you should, uh, you should, you should bless me. But it says, in verse 5, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Let me ask you another question. Could it be that you are playing a significant role in what God is up to and the circumstances of your life not necessarily be the way you expect them to be. Could that be? Is that possible? That what you're going through right now is exactly what God wants you to go through even though it's not, it's the least of what you want to go through in life. Now, do you know what Joseph was doing? Well, he was working as a slave you know what he was doing? Now, I don't know if this is big for you, but this is, this is huge for me, okay? Do you know what this 17-year-old kid, uh, really the, the son of a, a rich man, a spoiled brat, because that's, you know, he was his dad's favorite. He always got what he wanted. Do you know what Joseph was doing when he found himself working as a slave? What do you think he was doing? Let me tell you. He was doing what any 17-year-old boy kid would do who was ripped away from his family, sold into slavery. 
and gets put into, basically, he gets brought to a foreign nation, a foreign land, a foreign country, didn't even speak the language, who knew, who was confident that the Lord was with him. Now, to you, may not be that big of a deal, but to me, this is huge. And if you can make it through the struggles that you're going with that mindset, the Lord is with me. Like, I promise you, your perspective on anything you deal with in life will be completely different. So, the story keeps going, and it goes from good to bad to worst, okay? So, Potiphar's wife one day comes home and she begins to seduce him. Now remember, Joseph was in charge of his home, Potiphar's home, and his wife begins to seduce him. Remember the story? Come on, Joseph, come to bed with me, babe. Come on, honey, you know, lay down with me. Now we always give Joseph, we, we give him a break because the Bible says that he ran out of there. You know, and we think that Potiphar's wife, she was like this 26-year-old, super beautiful, seductive, you know, lady, but who knows, right? Just saying, she may have not been the prettiest lady in town. He may have ran for other reasons. Here she comes. Pew, you know, I'm out of there. Just kidding, just kidding, okay? But what I want you to see is this. That God puts him in a no-win situation. Because if he sleeps with her, and his boss finds out, he can have him hung. If he offends her, she can have him hung. And so he's in a position, he's in a no-win situation. Let me ask you a question. We're kind of back and forth, right, as much as we can. Could it be possible, is it possible, for you to find yourself in a no-win situation, and you are part of God's greater plan, but you find that, like, you're in a place, if I do this, no good. If I do this, no good. Could that be, could that be possible? That God has strategically positioned you in a place where and you're fighting battles and you're like, Pastor Alex, if I go in this direction, it's no good for me. If I go in this direction, it's no good. Could that be the case in your life? And I, and I would say that yes, that's the case. At times, that's the case. So verse 8, verse 8, listen to what he says to her. He says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. So that's what Joseph is telling Potiphar's wife, right? Verse 9, no one is greater in this household than I am. My master has withheld, um, has withheld nothing from me except for you. Kind of makes sense. You know, because you're his wife. How, watch this, watch this, don't miss this. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? Now, I read that and I was like, man, this guy, you mean to tell me that you're, you're going to be faithful to the God that allow for the your brothers to sell you into slavery and then not only that but you're you're going to be faithful to the god that allows you to be set up you know framed for for rape essentially is that the god that you're going to be faithful to you know what joseph did in that situation he did what any 17 year old boy would do who was ripped away from his home everything that he knew all comforts 
sold into slavery. He, he did what any kid that age would do when he's presented with a, with a situation like we have, where, when he's put into a no-win situation, who was confident of the fact that God was with him. And I don't, we don't know how, but somehow he knew that even though God was extraordinarily silent, he was not absent. And even though he didn't know that there was a story, he didn't know that, that he was a part of a story, he didn't know that God was creating a nation from within a nation where the Messiah would come and eventually save the world. And the, 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 the whole thing rests on his shoulders. Even though he had no idea what was going on, he was confident of the fact that God was with him. And so as a 17-year-old boy, he did what any 17-year-old boy would do who was confident of the fact that, you know what? No matter what comes my way, my God is with me. Now, do you remember how Joseph gets rewarded for, for fleeing temptation, for running away? Because when you're on God's side, you always win, right? That's the way preachers make it sound often. When you're on God's side, everything, you know, it's all roses. It's all fun and games, right? You give your life to Jesus, and it's like, you know, wealth and health comes my way, right? How was Joseph rewarded for being faithful to God? Well, he was framed for rape. Potiphar goes home, throws him into the dungeon. It was the same place where Pharaoh kept his prisoners. And from his perspective, there is no context. There's no hope. There's no Bible. There's no book of Revelation. Jesus is coming back to rescue us. There's none of that. From his perspective, he's just a lonely kid in a foreign land, and he doesn't understand what's going on. And here's a challenge for you and for me. In those moments when you feel alone, when you feel deserted, when you feel like nobody understands you, when you feel like there's no hope, there's no context, you're put in, in positions, no win situations, your job and my job is to remember what would anybody in my circumstances, in my position, what would they do if they were confident of the God that God was with them? That's your job. That's my job. And look at it. This is, this is funny to me. Verse 30, uh, chapter 39, verse 20, the second part of verse 20. It says, but while Joseph was there in the prison. Let's read it together, okay, church? Let's read it together, the underlined section. But while Joseph was there in the prison, let's read it together, the Lord was with him. Now, I, I want to be careful with this. I want to be super sensitive. But so what? Lord, if I'm gonna have to, if you, if I'm gonna have to be in prison for you to be with me, go be with someone else. Go, my my brothers are they're lonely. Go spend time with them. You know, if I'm gonna be sold into slavery, like I'm not really sure that I want you to hang out. Like that's, you know. Why me, Lord? Leave me alone. And yet, in that prison, the Lord was with him. It says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness. The Lord showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Once again, 
if a good day for me is when like the prison warden and I were like this, we're buddies, man, that you've hit a, an all-time low, right? If you're saying this, bless, bless you, Lord, the prison warden and I, we're like this. Oh, man, I don't know. Just rough. If you're on a first name basis with the prison warden, you know. And then there's a, a, a glimmer of hope in the story. I'll just tell it to you. Um, Pharaoh gets mad at these two guys. One was the cupbearer. The other one was the baker. Remember the story? The cupbearer cup is the guy that drinks the, the, the king's wine before they drink it just to make sure it's not, there's no, you know, it hasn't been poisoned. And so, which is not a fun job if you ask me. I wouldn't want to have that one, you know. But so... He gets mad at them, throws them in prison. It ends up being the same dungeon that where Joseph is at. And um, they have a dream. And it's kind of, you got to read the story on your own sometimes. But it's a weird thing where they both have the same dream. They, and they're having breakfast with Joseph one day. Tell him the story. And Joseph is like, hey, I can interpret dreams. I know a thing or two. Remember, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dreamer. You know, I can, my God can interpret dreams. And so they tell him. The, the dream and Joseph interprets it for them and he says man I have good news for you you're gonna be out of here in three days and I uh, mean they're celebrating I mean it's like yes three days and we're back in the palace and life is good and then Joseph looks at them and he says hey um, he says to the cupbearer hey would you would you do me a favor and the cupbearer's like yeah anything man absolutely you know he was a on a, on a good, you know, like anytime you find out you're going to get out in three days, that's a good day, right? And so, like, what do you need? And it's like, man, I'm here, but this, this, my story is not fair. And it's like he tells him the whole story of what happened with Potiphar's wife and how he was framed for rape and all of that. And, and so it's like, would you, if you don't mind, would you just say something to Pharaoh? You know, would you just put in a good word for me? And the cupbearer's like, yeah, man, absolutely. Thumbs up. You got it. Now, what are the chances, okay, that this guy is going to forget, right? What are the, I mean, it's only three days, come on. You know, the guy agreed to it, like he's like, I'm for it, like I'm going to do it. I'm back in the palace in three days. What are the, this is when you pray, like God, I need this little break. It's not even a miracle. I just need the interview. I'm sure that they'll like me. God, I just need this one thing to go through. It's not, it's not even, and if I'm in Joseph's position, I'm like, God, this is all I need from you. I just want him to remember when he's before Pharaoh. It's not even a big deal, God. And the guy, we know, but the Bible says, Genesis 40, verse 23, says the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He what? Forgot him. Oh, my goodness. God was silent, but he was not absent. And what I love about these stories is that it teaches me that even when I don't see what I want to happen in my life does not mean that God cannot make it happen. Even when I don't understand the equation and I cannot put it together and I cannot control it does not mean that God is sovereign and that God is up to something much bigger than I am. And it's a great reminder. And so my question is, what would I do if I'm put in those circumstances, in my circumstances, and I know 
and I'm confident God is with me. What would I ask? What would I do with this job situation, in this relationship, with the physical elements, the circumstances, the opportunities, the debt, the wealth? That's my responsibility. I don't need to understand it all. I just need to know what would somebody who was confident that the Lord was with them, what would they do? And I need to do the same thing. And so the, the Bible tells us that this guy, this cupbearer, forgot him. Two years passed by, and uh, they, um, by now it's been 13 years in the dungeon, right? And, uh, and the cupbearer forgot him, but God didn't forget him. And so the story tells us that Pharaoh now has a dream. Two years later, he has a dream, and he cannot interpret it. And so he's having all of his people come and try to figure out, you know, what the dream is about. And two years later, the cupbearer finally remembers Joseph. And he's like, hey, guess what? I got the guy that you need. I got the guy when I was in prison. I had a dream. I told him. He interpreted it. It actually became true. This guy is your guy. And so they go after Pharaoh summons Joseph they go after Joseph right and they shave him up and they're cleaning him up and they're you know they're putting new clothes on him and and from Joseph's perspective it's like what's going on am I going to be sold into slavery again because that was a common thing are they going to are they going to kill me are they done with me what's the what's going on and all of a sudden he has no clue no storyline no chronology no messiah no bible he has no idea what's happening and they bring him out of the dungeon before Pharaoh, verse 15, 40, chapter one, 41, verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. You can, you can figure it out what, it's, what it is. You can, you can solve this problem. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment of truth for Joseph, okay? This is, remember, this is not like we read the story and we just, it takes us just a few minutes, right? But he's the guy living day to day in this dungeon, okay? This, his circumstances were not pleasing to him. The reason why he tell, tells the, the cupbearer, hey, please, you know, put in a word for me. It's not because he was like, oh, this is God's will. I'm going to enjoy it. No, he's a human being, and he's in a, in a bad place in life. He does not want to be there. And so they bring him out. Pharaoh asks him, he says, I've heard you can interpret dreams, and this, if you're in the business, this is the deal that makes you or breaks you, okay? Like this is, this is the contract that gets you to the next level. This, this is the transfer. This is the raise. This is the opportunity. This is like when you tell your wife, honey, if this works, if they come to the table, if he signs, if we sign, if they accept, if we go, if we move, if we do this, this is it. This is our, our game plan. This is, we better not screw it up. We play to whatever their needs are. We say whatever we need to say. We've got to make this one happen. We cannot make a mistake. And so Pharaoh comes to Joseph. I've heard that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph is looking at the most important man in the world, in the universe. Who, by the way, thinks he's a god? Remember, pharaohs, they thought they were god themselves. And he says, verse 16, uh, 16 I, what? Cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh. 
Uh, wrong answer, buddy. This is your chance out of the dungeon. This is your opportunity. Don't mess it up. Um, Pharaoh, thanks. Thanks so much, buddy. But man, uh, cell three, I got to get back to cell three. They caught a big rat. We're going to have it. We're going to grill this thing for, for lunch. Like, thanks, but no thanks. They close. You know, that's nice. Well, we'll see you later. Can't help you. <laughs> Says, I can't do it. Look at the rest of the verse. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And at this point, everybody in the palace goes, no, it's done for little poor, little Jewish boy, he's dead. Hey, little boy, did you forget where you came from? Did you forget that you, you're a slave? You're a nobody? You don't tell the guy who believes he's a God, you don't tell him, my God will help you. <laughs> Right? You don't tell him, like, your magicians and your people, you don't have what it takes. Let me, let me, you know, like, I'm not going to do it, but my God can do it for you. And everybody in the palace is like, you're, you're done, buddy. <laughs> this is it. This is the end of your, your life. Why did he do that? Why did Joseph do that? Because that's what you do when you're a 17-year-old boy who's been ripped away from his family, sold into slavery, put in a no-win situation, right, for thrown into a dungeon, brought before the most powerful man in the world, and you are confident that God is set with you. That's what you do. Now, if you remember the rest of the story, I gotta, I gotta speed up. We're almost done here. Pharaoh doesn't get offended. And so he looks at Joseph and he says, shoot. And basically, Joseph, Joseph tells him how to run his country. And he says, hey, you're gonna have seven years of prosperity. You're gonna have seven years of famine. If I'm you, I would say for those years that you're, you're not gonna be able to have any food. And like, you need somebody to do this for you. And I can help you. And all of a sudden, you have this kid who's not a kid anymore. He's in his 30s now. And then, Basically, Pharaoh says, um, 41, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt because I've known you all of 30 minutes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and oh, don't miss it, don't miss it. And all of a sudden, you have little Joseph from the dungeon, little slave. All of a sudden, you have this guy who's put in charge of the greatest nation on planet Earth. He's second in command he has all the influence all the wealth everything that he needs at his disposal now what did joseph do with all that power right i'm gonna send uh, a group of people to go after my brothers they're they're done i'm gonna get rid of all every single one of them right that's what alice would have done <laughs> you're done you'll you know wait and see right what did Joseph do? He did what any 17-year-old kid who had been ripped away from his family, thrown into the dungeon, put in a no-win no situation, brought up before the most powerful man in the world and given him, gave him advice, and was now in charge of the whole thing. Did what anybody in that position would do who was confident that God is with him. And what I'm here to tell you is nothing 
changes. In the good, in the bad, when life is when the greatest, when life is the worst, God, who at times seems silent, is not absent. And even though you don't know what he's up to, and Joseph had no idea that he was going to create a nation from within a nation where the Messiah would come and the whole thing rests on the shoulders of this kid. Even though he had no idea he was the main character, he just did what anybody would do who's confident in the fact, man, whatever, whatever I run into, he is with me. Let me ask you a few questions so we're done. Do you know what God wants to accomplish through you? The answer is no, you don't. And it's okay, you don't need to know. Do you know how many people God wants to influence through you? No, you don't, and that's okay. Next week, we'll begin a brand new series. I hope you invite some people. This series could radically change some people's lives. I hope you take just a minute, use social media, use whatever God puts it, gives you. Do you know how important it is for you to understand the role that you're playing? How, how important it is to know all the details, exactly how your life is going to be played out. It's really not that important. All you need to know today is God is with you. I'll close with two verses, okay? I'm out of time. The first one is one that if you've been brought up in church, you probably know it by heart. It's Jesus with his disciples on a hillside before he left, before he went up to heaven. He looks at them, he looks at you, because I think this verse speaks to us today, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I believe that if you conquer in death, that's true. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. That's your mission. There's nothing more important. There's no greater legacy you can leave behind. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then he says these words. He says, and surely I am with you, say a church, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You're on your way to Egypt, I am with you. You're in a dungeon, I am with you. You're in front of the most powerful man in the world, I'm with you. You're a slave, I'm with you. You have wealth, I'm with you. You're poor, I'm with you. It doesn't matter. Nothing changes. My job is not to figure out my role, to figure out exactly what God is up to, to ask the questions, like, I want to play their part. No, they, why can't they play my part? My job is to know that although my God at times seems far away and seems extraordinarily silent, He's not absent. And so I'm going to walk today as if my heavenly Father is walking with me. That's my job. Between Joseph and Jesus, there was another man. He was a king. King David. He said it like this, and I'll close. He had, he had known all kinds of highs and lows. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God, we give you our hearts, we give you our worries, we give you our fears, 
we surrender our will, use us, convict us, encourage us, challenge us. We're yours, God. We're your kids. Help our faith. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.